It was all a pipe dream, watching body boarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feeds at 18, living the dream with no sunscreen. Yeah, we were so keen, surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide, eating shit. Today, and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast, the home of bodyboarding. Thank you for joining us on episode 24 of our verbal journaling, and I'm your host, Luke O'Connor. Today's guest is possibly one of the greatest bodyboarders we've ever had the pleasure of laying our eyes on. He's also been one of the only bodyboarders that I know to feature on the front cover of two print magazines at any given time. Um, We can get to that trivia later on in the potty. He owns his own bodyboarding brand, um, ranging from boards, clothing, apparel and all hardware. He... Probably does a cutty reverse better than any bloke laying down on foam and he's extremely exciting to watch with his free surfing and all his tough, gritty, professional prowess. I'm talking of none other than Mitch Rollins, bro. Thank you for coming on. No problem. Thank you for the um, the build-up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I love doing it at the start, you know. It's always good to get the potty kicked off with some good vibes and you know, really, like you. Most guests that come on this, most guests that come on this podcast um, have something extremely special about them, and we want to hear what they want to have to say. And you've done so much, man. Like you've done so much for the sport, and you've been involved for such a period of time now, where you've you've kind of branded your legacy, uh, you know, across the whole sport of bodyboarding. I wanted to start off the interview, man, by asking: Do you feel, as a bodyboarder, you've reached your full potential yet? And have you got more to offer in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I, re, I guess recently I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Um, I guess, like the answer, the, the short answer is no. I, I don't think I've reached like the level that I want to reach, um, and I feel like I'm still getting better every day. So even though I don't surf as much, I still feel like I'm improving every surf. So um and yeah there there is still for me i yeah definitely want to accomplish you know a lot more and i i kind of feel like uh around 9 years ago i had a you know my uh relationship broke down suddenly and that was about 9 years ago so i was kind of coming i was just finishing up um killer days with um, Todd Barnes, like the film, like a little remake of uh, Tom Boyle's film. Um, and it happened, you know, while I was on a trip. So it, it, everything kind of just stopped for, a, you know, a good a good long while. Um, and I've kind of almost been stuck in that same kind of pattern for nine years, but now I kind of want to, um, yeah, kind of get you know, back into it a lot more and, and, uh, and yeah, it, it, you know, I wouldn't say achieve more things just to, 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 to be on some good trips and surf good and, and re-enter some of the contests because I, I never felt like I, I did as well as I probably could in contests. So that, that's a big motivation right there. Um, so it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was, what am I? Yeah, nine years ago, I was like 30. I mean, that's pretty young to kind of just feel like, you know, everything just stops. Um, and even more so now, you look at Hub, I think he 
he's 47 or 48 and just won the front on contest and um yeah i mean it, it's uh yeah definitely don't feel like i've accomplished what i kind of set out to do well, i don't know if i set out to do anything but i don't feel like i'm, I'm finished well, man, you're a pretty, you know, steely-gazed individual. Uh, we only had Tristan on the other week, and obviously he has some of the same qualities you do in regards to being very calculated. And this is only from an um, outside perspective looking in, but, you know, you can really see that you take bodyboarding extremely seriously. You've got personal goals in mind, which is epic to have because every great champion has to aspire to higher and lofty things. And you've often said that, you know, there's 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 ways you can ride a wave and there's ways you can maximize that wave but there's rare moments where you can reach your full potential on a wave do do you want to reach that height where you know every session you can reach your full potential without being hindered in any way shape or form um yeah i don't know if like i yeah i mean i think the Reaching, I don't know if you ever reach your full potential. Like I, I think just just aiming to get better. You know, every surf that's enough for me. It could be a twenty minute surf, or it could be you know a six hour surf. And you know, every any opportunity I get to surf, I'm always trying to improve just that little bit more. Like there's just so many things. Like you, I mean, generally people gravitate to what they're good at because it's easy so i like to go right a lot because i grew up on point breaks mostly so that's my go-to um and if i spend a little bit more time going left i'd get a lot better going left you know so there's plenty of weaknesses and plenty of holes to kind of fill so that it it, never short of i'm never short of motivation or kind of determination to to get better you know because there's always something like as soon as i you know it's frustrating when you take off on a wave and you can't do what you know you you want to do because you haven't put in the time you haven't practiced so it's um there's always something to get a little bit better at always and and that's not taking like taking it too serious either that's just fun for me so I don't go, oh, I'm not improving or, you know, someone looks at me and says, oh, he's taking it too serious. I find that really fun. Um, I, I don't find it as a burden to actually try and get to improve, whereas, you know, some people look like they really have to force the matter in that, you know, they've got to push themselves to get better, you know, where... I kind of feel, that for me, that's kind of my natural kind of state of wanting, always wanting to do a little bit better. But it's probably everyone's state, to be honest. Yeah, 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 definitely. And with competitive bodyboarding, you know, you're talking about being on a, a path that, um, you know, you haven't chosen so much, but you've, you, you're, you're doing it for the love of it and you're doing it because it's one of your passions and it's quite clearly one of your greatest passions because your whole life revolves around the sport of bodyboarding. When it comes to competitive bodyboarding, what do you feel like you were lacking in, in your previous time in the Rashi than what you would apply 
um, in the rushing now? Like, is there one key area where you're like, okay, I need to, to really lace up my, like my boots here and, and get it sorted because these guys are doing this and, and I need to do um, something to counter that? It's, I think it's just consistency. Like, you just got to be consistent. You got to really look at what the judges are, are after. I never went into a contest asking what the judges wanted to see. Like I knew, I, I, I definitely knew, but I, I was, I guess I was kind of a little bit, stu- I was definitely stuck in my own pattern of how I was surfing um, and wanted to, to like it's, it's competition showmanship, you know, you're really, you're really doing it to inspire somebody else, you know. So it's like I was riding to inspire somebody else, not another rider or another young kid or, you know, whatever it might be, but definitely wasn't trying to inspire the judges, you know. So it was you got to work to a certain criteria um, and you see the riders that do do that, they're working to the criteria. So obviously they're going to have the most success. Um, and you do it enough, you'll have more success. So it, it's not, um, yeah, I mean, you could look at the tour as like, you know, when, when I was competing mostly, if you looked at every single contest, I think that at least the best two scoring waves of the event would be backflips or an ARS. Um or sorry, best two ways of the heat would be either just two backflips, you know. So basically for a lot of the tour, like, I mean, if you calculated what scoring waves led to a world title in some of those years, it would just be a backflip, 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 and there'd be a few other moves in there, you know, but not many. So obviously it takes a lot more than that, but it it does this top scoring moves in every... uh, event or world title for the last 20 years have probably been backflips wouldn't would you agree yeah yeah i would definitely agree but just to in, in like interrupt you there because I'm, I'm starting to get a vibe from you and, and correct me if i'm wrong when you were surfing back in the day because you did have such a raw amazing talent and you could harness that with any move you wanted to do did you feel like during those competitions there, there wasn't any resentment towards the judge criteria, but because you're such an accomplished and incredible free surfer, you didn't want to be shackled down by the constraints of that judging criteria. You wanted to go out and surf the waves how you wanted to surf them? Yeah, I think so in a way. Like it, it's, I mean, I can't, it, yeah, I mean, I I just think that they over-rewarded certain moves. I mean, I'm the biggest fan of, you know, Pierre and uh, like Amori and Tristian and Tanner and Hub and like I love everything they do. Um, so it, it, I, but I think within, and even surfing, I'm the biggest surf fan you could, you know, that, because there isn't as, much content in bodyboarding, you have to go to surfing to see what's going on over there. You know, I just, right. I just so crave well. it. Yeah, I just crave it. So, like, I've listened to all the different podcasts and I think what they do so well is, you know, with their judging is just it's a lot more varied. Like, they can get, you know, 
high scores with just turns or high scores with just airs. But if they just do one air, they, they get kind of low, low-balled on a lot of it. And you're like, whoa, that's, that's gnarly, but it's so cool at the same time. For sure. And I think that's, I think that's rad. And I think that's what we miss in bodyboarding a little bit. But it, it all kind of comes down to the waves too. Like, I mean, if you're at front on, obviously it's big barrels and big airs and, you know, there's not too many opportunities for, for turns. Um, that's why I think our criteria gets just a little bit stuck in itself. Like we're not, the judging isn't open to, you know, open face moves. So, it, and I get that. So it's like you've got to, got to try and, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I find it, I don't know what they can do, you know, because they're, they're so set with just big moves or barrels. So it's yeah. not like you can, you can change their, their view. I guess um, bodyboarding definitely. Skits, cunts in the barrel, stolen, big balls like Miss Rollins. Lock up. All right, cool. Um, so we're back. We just had a small digital glitch. Uh, it's been happening fairly recently lately, and I swear to God, Telstra's all letting us down with our um, Wi-Fi and, and infrastructure, but we'll carry on. I was only just speaking to Mitch about the judging criteria at the front-on comp this year and just how we can kind of look to bring in new moves or possibly new criteria that will allow for some diversity within the sport because it's been keyholed by Mitch quite you know, quite frankly and, and quite honestly that it does seem that, you know, barrels to, to back lips are getting scored the, the highest and people have heat strategies. They go in, they know they can do X, Y, and Z and get the score. My my point up to Mitch was, and he made a really good point about the WSL and all the different turns um, they can do on a wave and still go to the air and mix them both together and, and get, you know, really cool combined totals. When you, when you look at, say, the barrels – to the to the bowls at front on, if you could say then the riders were going to come out and do a uh, do a barrel get a barrel sorry and then go into a move such as like a you know reverse hack or a reverse bash um, something that's super technical and has got a lot of timing involved in it. Uh, I was just going to ask you, Mitch, how do you feel like those would be scored or should be scored against you know the old barrel to backflip move? Yeah, I think it. Honestly, I think that they should be on par realistically. Like, I mean, you only have to – there's a few comparisons you can kind of make. Like, it, it does take a long time to to hold a good line on a bodyboard and it takes a lot of effort and years and years to get really proficient at it. Um, you only have to look at, like, guys like Mike Stewart Damien King, Andrew Lester, Ryan Hardy, you know, even Pierre now, um, Dave Winchester, Ben Player. There's a whole bunch of riders. I probably just, yeah, missed a ton, you know, but I you think. can't name them all. I can't, I probably could if, I, if we got time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, I think what what's missing is that, you know, like, uh, what I was saying is that, like saying before, was you know guys like Tristan and Pierre, like they they can they can ride the barrel really well and do a backflip really well, and if they were paired back to back waves um, and did the exact same thing, how do you how do you split that? You know, so it's like 
you're splitting hairs really. But then if they did the same, had the same wave again and got barreled and then had to do like a, a turn or, you know, or if they knew that they could do a turn and received a, a similar high score and they, were, they both did it, I mean, you'll see you'll see the different levels in their overall game. I mean, we're so drilled into in competitive bodyboarding to get barreled and do a big flip. And, you know, and I'm, I think it's, it's awesome, but you're not seeing the whole, the whole game. Whereas in surfing, you, you're seeing that a lot more and you're seeing the holes in everyone's game. You, you can see why, you know, Gabriel Medina is just, you know, unbeatable at times and Felipe and then, you know, obviously John John and, and, and Italo, you know, because their holes are just, you know, they're, they've, they've worked on their game so much that there isn't, you know, that they can do it all at any time, at any point. Whereas, you know, the, the back half, you know, they've still got a, a lot of improvement to do. Whereas like, it, it really shows because, you know, if it, if it ends up being a J-Bay like a contest, you know, you've got the guys that can, you know, down the line surfers, you know, and, and if they can't do that, it really shows. Um, so I just think in bodyboarding it is a little bit one-dimensional in terms of judging. Like all of these riders that are on there have the ability and every single rider has the ability to, to you know, get better at every part of the a part of surfing. Um, so that I'm not criticizing, judging all the riders. It's just, you know, we don't, we're not pushed to fix or improve parts of our surfing in competition. We're just there to do, you know, more single moves and, 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 and if, you know, if you play that game, right, you can, you could probably do pretty well. You know, I think, you know, obviously you've got to get lucky and be really good at that game now. Like you've got to be really, really good. Otherwise you're not going to win because so many people are good at doing, you know, getting barreled and doing really big backflips out. So you've got to be the best at that too. You could, But I think if you can, you know, somehow incorporate the other parts of surfing and be rewarded for it, I think overall surfing will, or bodyboarding will, will benefit. Mitch, I, I hear you loud and clear, man, and putting aside financial constraints and people's egos and, um, you know, the selfish wants and needs of, of certain people that, that do want to see certain waves on tour, and this is not highlighting anyone, I'm just talking in generalities, if you were to put all those things aside and say we want to put this wave on tour for high-performance bodyboarding, what would it be? Ooh. I mean, I would love to – front-on is obviously, I think, the pinnacle for, for bodyboarding. But if I was to pick another wave, it would probably be that point break in Morocco, that Pierre – I think Pierre surfing in his video. Um, in tender? Was it in tender? I'm not sure the the name of the the wave, but it's it's got a a lot to offer. Um, yeah, I think uh, adding a point break style wave to the tour would 
would be amazing. Uh, yeah. Just for the, yeah. for the, you know, just length of ride and connecting moves. And uh, I, I just feel like we, we kind of need that, um, which, which would be really cool. It, it won't suit everyone, but I think it, it'll, you know, open up the, you know, it'll progress the people surfing a lot more as well. And, and obviously there's, big barrels in Morocco, like I've seen that point break like 10 foot and it's, it'd be scary. I think there was a, well, there was a documentary on a surfer, Billy Kemper, where oh, he broke his ribs. Dude, and talking about anchor point. Is it, is it anchor point? Maybe, yeah. I'm not too sure, but it's um, it's incredible wave. And, I mean, bodyboarding out there. I think Brahim, he surfs it quite a bit. And, yeah, um, yeah, that's the one, yeah. he's. I mean, I think that little zone over there would be, would be amazing. Yeah, see, and would you um, would you look to have a certain criteria set up for that? Like, what would you be rewarding on a? Oh, on you a know, point what, break? I think the judges would have to. Obviously, if you just you know do one big air and land, and you've left you know a kilometer of wave to go, you're not going to get not going to get the score, or you shouldn't get the score. You know what I mean? So. I think that's the the whole purpose behind, you know, a point break is to maximise the entire wave as best you can, you know. So, um, yeah, I think the the judges would probably be pushed also to, you know, to to see the whole ride out, you know. Because yeah. it, it's funny because, like, if I remember a time when, I don't know who it was. It was in the Mexico contest, but he got like a 10-second barrel but came out the front, kind of the doggy door in a way, you know. But it was a bit, you know, it took him a while to come through, but he got through. It was a massive pit, 10 seconds, and he didn't come out clean, but he still made it. But you can do a big air, fight the whitewash for like 10 seconds, come out and get a big score. It's like what's the difference, you know? For sure. So it's it's a weird Thing. I, it looks like I'm just having a go at judges, but I'm not. I just like I like to to look at those little things. Probably shouldn't. Yeah, Probably. for sure. And especially you growing up, you know, in the land of point breaks, man. Like you, you grew up in pretty much and still live in in one of the greatest waves um, places for waves in the world. You know, you guys were surf listed surfing heritage site, and um, you know some of the clips that you produced out snapping man behind the rocks is they're 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 mind numbing, man, because there's so much. You know, people can't believe it's on sand. They're, me and Elliot Williams um, always joke about, you know, snapper rocks being like a oh, cape on sand and, and all this kind of stuff. It pretty much is. It, it's, yeah, it's a psycho. I know, I know like, uh, Mark Matthews lives up here now. So he's always surfing and he says it's just as tricky, if not trickier, because of the backwash and it's shallower. And it, it's kind of nuts like sometimes it's so shallow that like I've come off and you just land straight onto your like I've come off and just landed standing up <laughs> and I'm like and then all that pressure that comes down on you it's like scary so yeah you could definitely of, break your back out there for sure like there's yeah no, there's no that and just yeah just how yeah how shallow it gets it's it's definitely the similar sort of um wave to cape for sure and when it's big it I mean it gets 
solid. Like there's been eight, ten foot days for sure, and some bigger ones that just flare out, and you're just like, oh, that's pretty pretty wild for a beach break. Like you, when you're jumping off, like there's no channel, so you can get pretty cleaned up. And it's, yeah, it's, oh, it's definitely sure. heavy, heavy little wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even say little either. Like, you know, the length of it is just insane. I guess that back bit probably behind the rocks gets the most um, the most dangerous being, like, in, in that position. But, man, like, when it's firing, like, you know, you could be looking to get a 500-metre wave out there. Am, am I correct? Yeah, for sure. Like, not barreled, but or sometimes, like, every now and then it will link up. And you can get, yeah, some incredibly long barrels. But normally that's like two to three foot days. Every now and then you'll get a four to five foot day that is really link, linking up all the way through to Kira. But most part it's like a little bit sectiony, and then it kind of, it's, it's all bank dependent really. But, yeah, you can, on the big days, you can definitely get waves from out behind Snapper to Kira, like one wave. And, mm. But you're not going to get barrel the whole time but you can definitely have a lot of fun for sure. Man, growing up in the Goldie, Mitch, you know, you've obviously got a plethora of waves around, man. Like, you know, sand is just popping up left, right and centre. It doesn't have to be um, in Queensland either. It can just be south of south of the border there and um, the Northern Rivers in New South Wales and, and, and whatnot. But growing up on the Goldie, where did you predominantly surf? Where was your go-to place? Uh, earlier on was definitely Duramba and like South Stradbroke Island. Um, and then another place called the Spit that's just south of Stratty, which, um, Nick Gornell used to just couldn't believe I used to just surf that versus going to Stratty. But then he got the bug of surfing the Spit because it's just so easy and you can practice a lot there without like too much effort. Um, because there's a little pier that runs out and the, you get all these rip bowls and you don't even have to duck dive. That was kind of my thing. I just, you know, you're surfing these open beach breaks all the time, so you're just duck diving nonstop. So it's kind of nice to surf a wave where you don't have to duck dive. So that was kind of the lazy man's <laughs> wave. And Nick Gornell cottoned on to that when he was a bit later on, you know. I was kind of travelling a lot more then and he was, yeah, improving out of out of sight really you know um so he lo- he's he's another another guy that loved that spot um uh, but predominantly d-bar and and stratty um but now it's kind of d-bar's so crowded and stratty's really crowded and everywhere's really crowded so just um, <laughs> it's yeah i just i don't really mind where i surf anymore it, it doesn't matter it's Sometimes comes down to what part of the, what time of the day it is. Like if I know it's going to be the traffic's bad, then I'll just have to go somewhere closer so I can get more time in the water. Um, but if I've got a bit of time, then I'll you know drive half an hour each way. You know, but a half an hour drive with no traffic, or an hour and a half drive with, with traffic. So you kind of got to play the the traffic game. Oh man, and that Gold Coast Highway can go eat a dick, Mitch. It is. Oh, crazy. it's the worst. Oh, Baraz, I'm amazed. Like, you know, I'm from Sydney, so obviously I'm pretty used to bad traffic, but it's startling how short of a distance you travel for how long you stay in the car sometimes. Yeah, there's that. And, like, Sydney, you expect it. Here you kind of don't expect it that as much, but now it's yep. like it's a zoo. 
and yeah, you just got to <laughs> kind of, um, yeah, you just want, yeah, like I'm happy to surf wherever. When you were um, when you were growing up, man, like a little birdie or folklore has it that you used to be riding your bike, you know, unfathomable stretches to go find waves. Did you did you used to ride your bike, um, you know, like large stretches, say to go to Stratty and D Bar and back, or like was there anything outrageous like that? Because so many people have mentioned that to me. Yeah, I, well, I didn't think it was that far, but like, I mean. Um... Yeah, I never, I mean, I'd every day it'd be like 10, 15 Ks, like one way. So, yeah, 30 Ks or more every day to get to the beach kind of thing. 30 um, Ks, one way? At least. Oh, no, like 15 kilometres one way. Like I was kind of in the middle of everywhere so I could ride either way. Um, but obviously there and back, 30 Ks. Um so, yeah, I mean, I loved it. I'd still do it. I mean, I, I remember this one day that my mates were, but I, I knew Burley was going to be absolutely pumping and I was so pumped. I was just like, all right, got up super early, um, put, my fins on the, <laughs> put my fins on the handlebars and I was just doing like just bolting there and I got about two Ks away from home and went, fuck, and I forgot my board. How, and I was like, how do you forget your board riding a bike? So I had to like turn turn around and go back and get my board and I was just like so spewing because I knew my mates were going to get out there before me. But it was just like one of those things I'll never forget, just like I cannot believe I forgot my board and I'm riding a bike. And my board was just sitting out the front like I had it all set up and everything. Damien King, what up, King? When he's toe out, made my dick sick. And another technical difficulty. I do apologise. I'm sure it'll be sewn together beautifully by our editing team here on Luke's Lounge. Um, but two we'll tin just... cans and a string. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, eh? We'll just have to sit there, have a couple of beers, and just link up some sort of string phone can um, next time, man, because, like, it's probably better than this goddamn atrocity. <laughs> oh, I remember the funniest thing. I was with Chris White. Oh, I, I think it was with Whitey anyway. Like, we had those three mobiles. Remember those phones, like, way back oh, yeah, in the day? The, the flip ones, yeah. Yeah, and it was with three or whatever the network was but the reception was just horrendous like you just got there was no there was just nothing basically and like I went into to a complaint like oh you've got to fill out this form write it write a form and I was being smart I was I just said I get better reception phone keeps cutting out I get better reception two tin cans and a string and the manager (laughs) like read it and he's like you seriously want to write that I go yeah (laughs) and he was just so (laughs) off it did he submit it anyway? Yeah, he had to because it was, yeah. I mean, back then it was like I think we are in Western Australia and literally you could be in the city and the phone would just drop out, no bars, no nothing. So they oh, had it coming. Yeah, rightly so, eh? <laughs> Put it together, mate. You know, the whole issue with those those three um, mobile kind of companies and, you know, they had Orange and they had like a couple of others, it's even like Optus to this day. They all piggyback off Telstra. Like Telstra's got the Australian-wide infrastructure and they kind of piggyback off them. So then it's just like all these telecommunication signals getting overloaded and it's just like us, the consumer, that are – Pretty much getting fingered for it, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Like, and even now like, with that whole Optus breach, but yeah, that's yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think yeah. What would uh, what were we talking about? You we're speaking about Burley, I'm pretty sure, and you left your board at home, man, with all the grom froth. Oh yeah, yeah. It was um, yeah, kind of crazy. I it, I just always remember that one day because like we just knew it was going to be on. Like the bank was just primed, and it was just a perfect day. And I just started bolting to the beach, and I forgot my board and had to turn around and go back. So I just wasted like twenty five minutes, like riding a couple of k's down the road and then had to turn around to get my board and there's nothing I could do. Like there's no one, you know, there's, you can't blame anyone. You always have to blame someone when you're younger. But it was like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was just one of those funny things. But yeah, like I used to, yeah, that's all I ever knew is just getting on a bike and riding. That's all my friends and that ever did. We just, yeah, if we needed to get somewhere, we just rode. Um, I mean, there was a, the bus service that also you know went down the Gold Coast Highway, so you could get down to Debar pretty pretty good from Burley. Um, so, but yeah, I used to ride. Yeah, I mean, it definitely uh, makes you fitter. But I used to hate it when it was like howling southerly in the morning. So you got the headwind, and then it, in the afternoon it was like howling northerly. So you just like headwind every like in the morning, and then in the in the afternoon. The old the, the old issues or the the challenges you've 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 got to come over when you you don't have a, a four wheels you've only got two mate you know that must yeah. have been such a wild time in your life you know and your fitness levels would have been crazy and surely that's got to help with your paddle power too man like I know when I was um mountain biking a fair but I haven't been out in a while but when I was mountain biking um, a lot more than I am now man you can just feel it in your quads and your kicking power you're almost getting that um like that extra half a meter to a meter onto the wave earlier you know when you got the your, your legs primed yeah for sure like you definitely like coming from the gold coast i i think like not that we're fitter but I, we're battling currents a lot more than you would be in say sydney like you've got like shark island and all the other all the other reefs so there's not that much current you it's, oh man, they're um, lazy man waves. We've got channels. Yeah. We're cruising. You know, we pop off the rocks. Yeah, Trust me, we have it super easy. Yeah, I know. So you don't have to duck dive. Although I've never surfed that. Oh, what is it? Depot. I've never surfed there, but I heard that's like got a pretty gnarly current in. It sucks you in. Um, yeah. So you probably got to be moving around a lot out there. That that wave yeah. looks pretty pretty intimidating, from what I've heard. Oh. Dude, but then let's just go back to, you know, that wave is intimidating. I've, I've never really got a good one out there in the sessions. I've had more so just doing the duck diving and trying to escape um, near-death experiences. But, dude, talking about, you know, gnarly waves and, 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 you know, things that would make other people just run and hide under their bed sheets, man, like issue 165 of Riptide, you know, like – you're you're in one of the big, the biggest left caverns that had probably graced the pages of print bodyboarding there in history. You know, you, you you went on such a tear during um your free surfing years there in the in the West. You know, with Chris White and and obviously Hardballs and um, Winnie and and Brad Jackson and you know and 
anyone who would turn up, um, you know, and join you guys would always just come back with the with like the fierce tales and stories of, of just the most, you know, mutant slabs and just going out and doing the craziest stuff. You know, how do you feel being on the front cover, especially in such a big heavy left wave, but also gracing the movement front cover in the exact same month? Because really to me, I can't think of any other bodyboarder that's done that. Like did that feel like such a momentous time for you and your career? Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, it was that's like during that time and the competitions were, you know, kind of at their peak as well. But I was just so focused on, you know, shooting photos and making videos and with all those with all those guys. So that was my main focus was just to get really good photos. You know, I just loved it, you know, working with the photographers, you know, working on how to like not get spray in there on their camera lenses when you're going past them and things like that. So it was like, there is like full on techniques to not do that, you know, and I would, I'd work out like, you know, I kind of knew how their photos would turn out before I even took off on the wave, if the how I would position myself around them or near them. Um, so it was like that was really fun f- for me and that's why I think I like got quite a few photos, like a lot of photos really, like because I, I, I thought about that because there was, you know, a lot of other riders would, you know, they'd just surf, you know, um, and they'd do really well but they wouldn't, a lot of them wouldn't work in with a photographer and you kind of got to do that, you know. So um, you'd probably see it a lot more now, but maybe I'm wrong, but that, that was like how I was thinking, you know, like how could I make this photo better for them and how could I get in a position where they can be in a position to get a better photo. Um, Did you feel like at any stage in that issue, 165 with that crazy um, left bomby and that photo from Tungsten that you would, that you that you need to do anything more for the artists who were shooting? Did you feel like well, that one I didn't actually know. Yeah, I didn't know people shooting that one because like we just rocked up and that was kind of like the first wave, and the I don't even know if we surfed a riot yet. Before that, I'm not sure, um, but it was. Um, that, we definitely surfed that wave before the, the riot. And maybe, I, yeah, I can't exactly remember. I remember we were kind of checking a few different spots and that was just like, all right, this is it. We'll just go here. And that was kind of like the first wave that kind of come through. And and I, I, def, I knew I was too deep, but I was like, oh, I might just get over the, the little wedge that it had in it. And then when I did, I was like, oh, my God. Like generally on those ways, if you if you can see the barrel, you're too deep. So it, I definitely seen the barrel just go way out. I couldn't see that, and it was by still by far the biggest barrel I've ever been in. Like it was just so it just felt really really wide. I and from the angles of those pic, photos, you definitely can't see how wide it is. You can see how like kind of mutant it is, but if you think if you're looking into it from another angle, it'd be yeah, just crazy wide. 
Right, so well, that, I'm telling you now, Mitch, it's easily as impressive looking at from those angles on the covers. I'm I'm not taking away from the wideness of it, but that that lip would would chop Bruce Lee in half, mate. Like it's insane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how and how much water's in that lick, and it's not just a normal lip coming down like a folding wave. It's like it's a pointy pinnacle pyramid of death. Like there's so much coming down on that one part that you're coming in behind, you know? Like, did you ever think at, at that stage when you did let go of the rope and you said you might be too deep, it was like, oh, I'm in a bit of trouble here? Or you always thought well, you were going to be... you just... Yeah, like, when we've always surfed that wave, like, there's not many waves that people don't make. Like, because you obviously want to make it out there because there's a dry rock in front of it. So you're kind of flirting with it but not really going for it. I mean, there's been some surfers or probably some bodyboarders that haven't made it, but generally, like, we've always made it kind of to the safety of the wave. There hasn't been, like, I mean, maybe you can remember, but I can't really remember someone fully just, you know, getting eaten out there. Um, So it's kind of the wave you don't really want to fall off. Uh, But it was... The, the 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 second wave was the one that got me because I come off and came up and then there was one about the same size that well looked huge and I was like oh I'll just dive under this and that was after I got held under there was two waves that went over me on that one and then I come up and then one landed on my head and then I was like oh, I'll just dive under it but it just seriously just squared me up and just landed on my head. And I didn't even go under. I was just like, I can't do anything. Like, and then I remember opening my eyes underwater and just watching myself get sucked over. And I was like, oh, no. And because that, there's yeah, that dry bit, dry bit of rock there. So or big, you know, boulder. And luckily I didn't How are you going there. for O2? Like O2 at the moment, Mitch, like in this situation, you know, you've just had two-wave hold down. You've popped up for a nanosecond and this thing's going to land on your head. You've probably gathered in barely any oxygen. What are you thinking at this stage when you open up your eyes? Um, well, as soon as I come up, it was just right there, so I didn't have time to think. But I, de- I don't remember, like, f- struggling for, you know, like big time for air. Um, that's really only happened once, like, and that was just at another wave down the, down the stretch um, where I just got flipped a bunch of times and then it was like pure blackness and I was swimming up, not straight up, but like sideways because I didn't know which way I was up. And back then, like, I didn't, didn't wear a leash most of the time um, <sighs> just because I was just, yeah, unprepared. Or just too frothing to get out there. Like uh, you'll see, like on most of the right photos, I don't know if you can, a lot of them you can see where I just don't have a leash on. Um, But that's kind of stupid now. Like um, if I got back into that, I'd definitely want those inflatable vests. They'd be, they'd be pretty handy. Yeah, Um, they look lifesavers. And it's actually quite, you know, a stirring point you mentioned there without even, without even trying to bring it up, you guys didn't have any protection. Like this day and age, I know you guys had jet skis out there and you're all very experienced watermen and, and you know, fit professional athletes, but, you know, and you're doing super raw things down on uh, down the bottom of Australia in a very raw and, and unruly place. But, you know, you, you didn't have the aid of inflatable vests or like the, 
the plan B, you know, when like things went to shit. Do you sometimes look at that these days? And, and obviously it's a, an amazing, amazing invention, but do you ever look at it and be like, fuck, we were doing it just, just naked there for a fair while. Like, yeah, what's happening? it was, it's dumb. It, pure madness, really. Like, I mean, it's just pure madness. Like, I remember, like, back then there was also, like, Brendo and his kind of crew that were chasing those waves as well. And Brendo's, like, you know, obviously back then I was, like, kind of, like, super was competitive with him but definitely not as gnarly as him. You know, like, he's, I think he's one of the gnarliest guys ever, you know, as, you know, as, like, would do anything, you know, would charge anything. Agreed. And I was, like, when I heard his story, how they got lost out at, you know, out at, like, Cyclops area or they got, you know, trapped and that to get all the, whatever, the air and sea rescue looking for them, you know. Like, I thought, like, I was, like, pissed off at them because it's like they're putting other people's lives in danger because, you know, they're not prepared. They didn't have all the equipment to do it, you know. And I, I obviously now, like, I'd look at that and go, if we're going to go somewhere crazy, like, you've got to have that that backup because last thing you want to do is, like, go out in the middle of the ocean, not have, you know, an EPIRB or, you know, radio connection back to land or let people know where you are or where you're going. Like, we did all that stuff without doing that. It's so stupid. You know, I think Brenda on that were probably even a little bit more reckless, you know, in, the, in what they were doing. Um, and he'd probably admit that too. I'm pretty sure he does. Um, so, but yeah, definitely there's times where I'm like, I think we're going out to a spot called Middle Island and I was in a little tinny and everyone else was on a jet ski because I drew the short straw or something. And I was driving this tinny and it just conked out and I had no one there. Like, and it was howling offshore. And it was just just in the middle of the ocean. So it was just like that was one of the moments where I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Man, I'm just kind of specious about that, hey, Mitch? I'm just kind of putting it through through my head now, you know? Like it's, yeah, I'm I'm just thinking to myself too, you know, you've you've had so many times out there and obviously the dinghy conking out is is one of those hectic times. But as a collective, you know, you're – yourself hardy um chris white you know uh when gallagher was around you know brad jackson brad hughes well, when all you guys were going crazy not brad, um, brad, uh, brad jackson chad um, jackson chad jackson sorry blah 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 chad jackson you know what was the what was the craziest moment you guys went through what, what was the one where you're like, i'm so glad we're back on land now pretty much every Every time, really, we went down south. Like, we just, we loved it, but it, it always felt, like, nice to be back on land. It, it, I don't know, like, it was always pretty raw. And anyone that goes down there knows, like, it feels, it can be, it, it's pretty isolated. Um, and, it, and it's dangerous, but I think probably... Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think there's any one particular time. I think it's the whole whole time, really. Actually, I didn't. There's a few ways I hated 
paddling out too because it was like it was pumping, but you got to paddle out so far, and it was just over deep, sharky water. There was a couple of times I was with Phil, and it was actually me and Toby player. It was me and Toby player surfing, um, and this pilot whale went underneath us. Um, and Toby just went completely white, and I'm just like, "What are you looking at?" Like just freaking out at him. And he's going, he's going, fuck, it just went under us. It's under us. And I was just like, fuck. <laughs> and then it ended up being a pilot whale. Like, I don't even know what a pilot whale is. You know, like, yeah. it's, a, it's like, all right, it's a massive dolphin. You know, like, I, I know what a pilot whale is now, but, like, I don't know how he knew it was a pilot whale. Like, so it was, that was pretty funny. But it was, yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like all these good waves are in isolated locations. It'd be nice if they were just propped up on the Gold Coast, you know, but they're not. <laughs> I mean, you kind of can go to Indo for that. Like that's, you know, um, Shark Island's probably pretty cool because it's right in the city. Yeah, but it makes you lazy also too. Then you don't want to go anywhere else. You can just sit there having your lattes in the morning, man, and then your espresso martinis after your um, chessing yeah. and, and eating, you know. It's not the best life, so it definitely catches up with you. Yeah. But, I mean, it, I think there's, I don't know, like we probably got off pretty lightly, to be honest. Like, I mean, I don't know if you watch Chasing Monsters, like Kirby Brown's new film. I haven't yet, no. Yeah, that's a good watch because he was like surfing in and around that all at the same time, and he was like, a, you know, he loved he loved it, and he they documented he documented it probably almost the best, like because he he spent so long doing it and he's still doing it now, which is crazy, and he he goes to some waves where it's like he, granted now he's got like a big backup boat and everything, but he's um. Yeah, he surfs a wave that's just like, you don't want to know about that. Like, no one wants to know about that, you know? So, I mean, Brendo would probably want to know about it, but <laughs> there's not too many Brendos. No, there, there's, there's no, no one. Yeah, Mitch, I mean, there's, I think Ryan probably did the gnarliest thing I've seen, which was just like, we were getting, there was a big day at the right, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to come down. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. And we didn't hear from him again. And then we get out pretty early, like half an hour after, you know, first light. And Ryan's already out there, paddled out to the right from the beach, which is a good three kilometres probably. That's so far. Yeah, I've I've been to that beach and obviously um, checked from the the cliffs there, so to speak. And, yeah, man, like that's a long paddle. And yeah, I've heard too. <laughs> yeah, like it's so wild. Yeah, try to paddle it. It's supposed to be you get out past the the kind of headland slash point and then the currents from the ocean as you're trying to get past that point is just so gnarly because it goes into such deep water and there's just all that energy just ripping around out there. Like, And to do it by yourself is just insane. It's, it's disgusting to even think it. That water is black. <laughs> it is just the blackest, bluest kind of walk water you've ever seen and just like it has that really – white you know where it's all bubbly and that on top and then just yeah. just dark and it's like yeah there'd be everything under that water so it's like 
<laughs> yeah, I just can't believe he did that. Like, he's just so, like, and he's terrified of sharks too. So he puts that out of his mind. Like, he's yeah. absolutely terrified of sharks, like everyone, but he really is. Like, That's impressive, yeah. you know, to, yeah, to so be able to challenge yourself. He blocks it out and just he's he's actually catching waves when no one's around. Like it's it, – but, you know, there's guys like Harley Ward now that do that. Like I've – you know, I know Harley Ward really well and he does the same stuff. Like he's nuts. He's proper nuts. Yeah, when they just go down, you know, much like Harley in that session, you know, they'll 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 go to extreme lengths, get to the session. It doesn't matter if no one's there taking photos or videos. They're happy just to go straight out, get in the lineup, feel the energy, challenge themselves and um, do it all for the the inner worth, you know, like just to to say they 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 climbed that mountain and they've achieved it. You know, going back to Hardy's session out there, man, that's that's one of the first times the right's been paddled, is 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 it not? Probably, yeah. I mean no one was even thinking of it I, I think maybe there was a few guys like maybe josh garner yeah i think maybe he he paddled it like um they're just kind of sitting on the on the side for a little bit like waiting to get towed i think that's what it was but not like a you know i'm paddled out here and i'm gonna just paddle it you know so uh, I don't think Ryan like towed into anything that day. Um, yeah, so and he's definitely the first. Yeah, like he's definitely the yeah the the guy that would do it. I, I mean, everyone would do it now if it was in a safer location, you know. But it's like still. Way but that's out half there. the battle, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like putting yourself out there, Mitch, like putting yourself in that situation, making the call to leave, you know, your warm household, not just go to your local beach, but to put the Ks in down the highway. You know, you have the early mornings, the late nights packing and and all that kind of stuff. That, that, That to me what makes it so impressive, you know, when someone tells me that they've traveled halfway across Australia to some of the remote, the most remote locations with barnacles the size of your hands, you're yeah. sticking off the rocks and you've got all the wildlife down there that wants to kill you and you're really, you know, you're so far away from civilization that if something does happen, you know, you're, you've got a long journey back to safety. That's what makes those sessions so epic. Like, and for Hardy just to do it with no one around and happy to just but do he, it from he the loves it. Like That's he crazy, loves man. It. Yeah. Like he's like, for me, like obviously, you know, the surfing world, surfboard riders, you know, is so well documented and you've got these guys that, you know, they're lunatic, you know, they're, they're really skilled watermen, you know, and charge big waves. But, like, I, I've i been, like, at Jaws or anything like that. I mean, but it that looks pretty fun to me. But, like, I've seen, like, I haven't, like, I've seen Ryan do things where you go, I haven't seen anyone else do that. Like I don't I don't think there's another rider out there that it would go as hard as what Ryan goes. Like I from what I've seen, you know, like I I think he would almost go any size wave that he could actually get into and ride it really well. That's the difference. Um Yeah. Like I've I remember when I was younger he took me out to 
a wave in Hawaii, like one of those offshore, like, uh, like outer reef waves. And it was giant. And like I got halfway out and I went, nah, I'm out of here. Like I just sat there and he, he didn't end up catching a wave because it was just giant. But he, he got out there and checked it and he goes, oh, that, that was just next level. Like, so for him to say that was just crazy. You know, like it was like legitimate, like huge. Like Wyoming was just absolutely just whitewash. And it was just like gnarly. And that was the first time. He would have surfed if I was out there for sure, but like it was just he at least went out there and checked it out for himself. There was no one else around. When I came in, a jet ski went buzzed past me and just said, oh, have you seen this guy? And it ended up being like someone had been lost down at Haleiwa and they were looking for him. And then they found him like later that afternoon at Waimea. He had to swim all the way to Waimea to get in. It was like the craziest story. Whoa, was that just a local fella that had to swim? A local guy. He, I think the jet ski guy was Al, Al Cook. Like he's a renowned kind of big wave guy that, you know, lived in the air. I don't um, yeah, so he was looking for his tow partner and Ryan was still out there, he, you know, but I was kind of caught in this rip trying to get in and he came past and he was freaking out looking for this one guy and he was, he was kind of looking at me like, what are you doing here? What, what's <laughs> going on? And I was like, I'm trying to get out of there. Yeah, but it was, yeah, Ryan, like I think everyone, like anyone in the bodyboarding world knows that he's like, the guy, when it gets big, he just turns into a beast. You don't know, yeah. like it's hard. hard to, like he, he really rides the wave, you know, when it's big. And not many yeah. people do that. They, they'll catch it, but they don't ride it. Yeah, it's I know impressive. what you mean, almost. Yeah. yeah, as in just not allowing the wave to do what it wants to do to the rider. It's more so the rider calculating what the wave is doing and, and them applying their skill and, and riding it correctly. Do you feel like that is one of the reasons why, you know, um, Ryan Hardy, Andrew Lester, yourself, you know, ended up on the Billabong team, man, because um, it's quite a prestigious label that not many bodyboarders have ever reached. I know Pierre obviously was on the Rip Curl team and, and that's a huge, huge hats off to him. But, Looking back on those days, Mitch, you know, rubbing shoulders with the surfing world elite and the bodyboarding world world's elite, did you feel privileged to be to be part of that team? Yeah, it was amazing. Like it was yeah, like I think I rode from for fifteen years. Before I left, I think I was like the second or third longest kind of, you know, sponsored rider by Bill Long at that stage. Like I think there was Parko and Oki with the the other two, so oh, just small names, time. you know. Yeah, but for bodyboarding, to it was really, really, you know, to have that longevity being sponsored by him was really cool. And the only thing that prevented us from going on was just that the the team, like the managers or the CEO at the time, they just didn't know what to do with bodyboarding. They, that's what they said. They, we don't know what to do with you guys. We know we sell, you know, the wetsuits, but we don't know how to market you guys or do anything. So that was the end. 
So it was. Yeah. So how did that? Yeah. How did that all end up, Mitch? Because that's a bit of a grey area, man. Like you know, you, you guys were. It, there was the, the the big boom in the early two thousands, and and Bodyborn was on such an upward, upward trajectory, and and you guys were sponsored by all the big brands, and you know, there's some theories about supposed to be the surfing industry, some of the big wigs pulling the rug out from underneath bodyboarding because they thought it was getting too big. And, you know, there was a lot of other rumours that maybe, um, you know, the money wasn't there so much anymore and maybe the sport was on a decline. Like what actually did happen in that relationship with the big brands? Um, I think for, like, for a lot of the riders, it just kind of, it was getting cut. And I was kind of just the last one to get cut, really. Um, I don't think it was anything personal. It was just like it was just they didn't know what to do with this. I mean, there was like I was obviously growing up with some of the other surfers around here, not, you know, the big marquee riders like Joel and that, but they had a junior team that they were getting paid really good money, like three, four times what, you know, me and Ryan were probably getting paid, you know. Um, and then they got cut and we were still around, but they eventually it was kind of coming, you know. Um, so I don't think it, it was, wasn't anything personal. They did a lot, you know, for, for all us, you know. So, um, but it was a funny situation because, like, there was, you know, I got a lot really, I got along with the, the team manager at the time, Bruce Lee. He's like the kind of like the hardcore surfer on the Gold Coast. You know, you know the guy that was, you know, the, the hardcore guy. But it, for some reason, I had a really good relationship with him. And as in hardcore, going, as in hating bodyboarders, probably just a mix of everything. Really. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, just yeah, didn't like crowds, and still a top. I see him now. We always catch up. You know, might have a beer together if I see him down at the surf club, and still see him out snapper. And, um, so it's still, yeah, like he's just a good guy and gets along real well with Lackey, you know, because Lackey's a lifeguard down there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's always had time for me and Lackey and the bodyboarders because we didn't ask for much, you know, and we'd, we'd always be super grateful for like if we got a weddie, like we're like, yes, look at this. We've got two weddies now, you know, so. <laughs> we can alternate. Yeah, because like I actually went on like a few surfing trips to the surfers, and like they don't pay for a thing. They don't even take their wallet. They don't need it. Like everything was paid yeah. for. There's full Oh, it was just the way it is, you know. Obviously, you're going to take it if it's if it's there, you know. So it's like, you know. But I remember going to different parties that they put on for Billabong, like put on a hundred thousand dollars for a party. But it's like no one gives a shit about this. Like these people that are drinking your beers, like don't care. And it's one night. Like if they gave that to the whole bodyboarding team, you'd feed us for a year and send us everywhere. But, you know, that's the whole scene, you know, like, you know. But isn't that a nightmare in itself, eh? Like, you know, you hear those large obscene amounts of money get thrown around and, you know, there's always big figures going out that, you know, Amazon spend, you know, 20 30 million each quarter on advertising or i'm sure it's way more that 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 number's just been plucked out of the air but you know advertising is one thing throwing parties and marketing is definitely another and if you've got the spare cash they're happy days but then how did that sit with you when they were saying to you 
oh, we've got to be cutting the team now? Like, could you just say, well, let's not throw that fucking big party and just give us the money? Yeah, well, I think that was more after the, the share the share market or they kind of just lost everything, you know, so they had to make big cuts because they were going pretty big. But, I mean, I think, I think for bodyboarding it kind of ran its course you know, with within Billabong, it seemed to, you know, like we really did well out of it. And it kind of just, you know, there was a movement where there was more bodyboard shops. I think that really hurt the sport a lot, you know, the bodyboard shops, you know, even though it seems counterproductive, but it does kind of hurt it because it, like all the surf shops stop buying bodyboard stuff, you know, then you tighten up, the market gets tightened up, you know, whereas when it was all surf shops, you know, you had, I don't know how many surf shops in Australia, let's just say 3,000 surf shops, whereas there was five bodyboard shops and everyone go, oh, no, we're just, you know, we don't stock bodyboards because the bodyboard shop does now, you know. So it's like that was happening a lot. Um, that's where I think it kind of they were like, oh, well, you know, we're not, you know, because at that time Billabong owned a lot of stores. You know, so they could see the the effect it had. You know, not selling the, the higher end boards, and yep. everyone, all the bodyboard manufacturers will will say that. You know, um, but you know that that's my belief anyway. I think it shrunk the sport slightly. You know, having those dedicated bodyboard stores. But I, I mean, who, who knows? But it it was funny. I, I think they did really well for us. Like you will ask any ask any like you could ask Andy. You could ask. Bodet or, you know, Ryan, they won't have a bad word to say about Bill Long or, you know, or any, you know, even the magazines, even Riptide back in the day, they were in every single double page spread, back page, you know, you know, they were advertising every single time. So they, they did they did well and they did it for a long time too. But it, it was funny because, like, the every now and then you had to go get some stuff from the front shop and they were just, you know, the the retail guys or girls and they always thought I was a surfer and it got to the point where I just didn't have the heart to tell them, you know, even though there was a picture of me bodyboarding on the wall, you know, <laughs> on, in the shop, they thought Jake was a skater because he'd always take his skateboard there to skate the ramp that was out the back. And there was this so funny because like this one guy, is, I said, it, was, it must have been around when the Bells contest was on. He goes, oh, where are you heading? I go, oh, I'm just down to Victoria to surf like Lunas. I didn't say I was just, I didn't say that. I said, I'm going down to surf in Vico. And he goes, oh, how many, um, what size board are you taking? I just go, oh, just a couple, just a couple of boards can take <laughs> But honestly, and then I seen this guy out at Snapper and he seen me on his bodyboard and he double taped me and I was just like, I know exactly what you're thinking. Oh, that's so classic, <laughs> eh? That's so classic. It was classic. the same for Lackey too. It was the same. Yeah? It was just like a joke for us. Like it was funny. Like it was just like, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. and you also notice too, man, like, you know, just talking about old mate out in the surf then double taking you. Like I do a bit of surfing around home and, and it's incredible when you're rubbing shoulders with the surfing community or the bodyboarding community and – one of the people inside the community thinks that you're you're either a surfer 
you know, everyone knows you're a bodyboarder in the, body, the bodyboarding community. So if you're seen as a surfer in the surfing community and then they see you on a bodyboard later, how their tune can change and how things can just be flipped because it's so hilarious. Like some of the looks that I'll get out in, in the waves when I'm, when I'm on a boog, like as I've come in from the island or something and I'm, I'm coming through point and all, I surf the point a fair bit on my stand-up just on small days. Um, me and my wife love it. It's a really fun way just to muck around on. It's good to have the kids down there and stuff. And it's just so classic to see the different reactions I get from people on different crafts. Do you, do you find that up on the Goldie? Like do you ever get people giving you the – like giving the double take, not old mate himself, but you know, just 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 other people going. I thought you were a surfer. Um, no, not really. But I, I know what you mean. Like it's definitely, um, yeah, I've definitely had it where they would talk to you on the surfboard, but won't talk to you when you're on the bodyboard. But yes, they, exactly what super, I mean. Yeah, but not to the point where they go, they know you and go, oh, I thought you were a surfer or something. Cause, yeah. But it's, yeah, it, not very often, but it's like, yeah, it's definitely no, it, it definitely noticeable. Um, but I, I surf quite a bit now too, like on surf, but I'm just hooked. Like I love it. Um, and it's just, it's so, so fun. Um, and it actually, it makes your bodyboard better. Like I'm surprised. Oh, like singing my tune, man. I cannot yeah. agree with you more. Uh, you draw better lines. Yeah, that and just your overall ease around the lineup. Like on a surfboard, like you've got to be like you're just using your arms, so you, you just get tired a lot more. So you've got to build up that resistance. And then like there was just the other day, like Snapper was like. You know, I was surfing on a surfboard and then I was like, oh, it's a little bit bigger today. I'm going to go out on a bodyboard. And I was just like breezing through the lineup, duck diving, everything so much easier. Like it was just like, oh, this is so cool. Like I actually feel free. Whereas on a surfboard, like I need a bit more time to, you know, turn around and catch a wave and be in a perfect spot. Whereas on a bodyboard, you can be in, you know, a shitty spot and still be, you know, and get yourself out of that shitty spot into a good spot. Whereas on a surfboard, like a, yeah, you know, when you're learning, you've got to, because you, you got the, like for me, I have the same confidence in the water, but I just don't have the, the skill yet or the, you know, the paddle power yet, you know, to get myself into a better position, especially if it's crowded. I've got no hope out there. Like if it, I'm taken off at the point, I'm like, and a wave's coming, like it takes me, 30 minutes to turn around, you know, like to get <laughs> get in position and get going. And by that time, there's like a 13-year-old just already taking off. So it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it, But it, it definitely helps you bodyboarding. I'm so surprised. Yeah, yeah, I know because it can often seem like you're going to the dark side and you're not really keeping to your true strengths and you think just being oh. on a bodyboard full time. But um. Like, you know, really my motto lately is just, and probably in the last 10 years, really, I haven't stuck to one sport too heavily. Obviously, predominantly bodyboarding because I love it through and through, but variety is the spice of life, you know. You, you should be trying different things because it can, you can take one thing from one sport and apply it to another. And, you know, I, I think you should never be afraid to, to fail and learn. 
And I think, you know, when people, it'd be so easy for yourself, Mitch, you've mastered bodyboarding to just stick at that one sport. And I know you were saying before that there's obviously room to improve, but to 99.9% of the humans out there at the moment, you've got everything under lock and key. So it's really nice to see that you're willing to fail and challenge yourself at other things because, yeah, I reckon that's the key to success. Yeah, 100%. Like it, and it's fun. Like, you know, with, say, with surfing, like you're just every single session you're learning, like every session. Whereas on a bodyboard, you're still learning every session, but you've you got some fallback, you know, like, all right, I'm doing shit today. I'm going to just stick to doing a big cutty reverse because I know how to freaking do that one. I'll do that, you know. So it's like... <laughs> And feel good about yourself. But on a surfboard, it's like, shit, I'm shit at this. I'm, you know, I'm not good. I'm not, you know, like I, I, every single area you can get better at and you can't, like I can't fall back. The only thing I can fall back on is like I try to go fast and I can maybe go fast. But, but like um, that's it. You know, everything else needs improvement, duck diving, paddling, like all of it. So it's like there's no fallback. So that's what's fun about it. And even Kirby Brown was the guy that I was talking about, that surfer. You know, I was surfing up Calbarry with him. And I had, I think this is a while ago, I was on, yeah, one of his boards. And he goes, I love that because, like, when you're at the beginning, you got so much to learn. It's like when you kind of already got it, you, you know, it takes a bit more to, you know, a bit more effort to, to, um, improve or a longer time whereas at the beginning you're improving all the time so it's yeah i love that whole process you know so that's what's exciting about surfing because you you're at the you're at the bottom you know even i'd love to be able to do that uh, windsurfing that's like one thing i've wanted to do for like 30 years and i just never have but that looks like a rad sport to me yeah, like it looks cool. Little... It must be hard to put the time aside for it that way because most of the times we're looking for charts that have got light winds and decent swell where it seems like that's almost the exact opposite. You want as strong as winds as possible and minimal kind of swell. Is Have you ever found yourself at the beach on those days? Yeah, well, I still surf on those days anyway, but there's a lot of, like I've been going, my partner lives down at Lennox Head and there's a lot of like, foil borders there with the kite kite surfing and everything but it's like yeah the windsurfing just looks rad like I've always looked up to like guys like Laird Hamilton and that kind of crew and they've always done that you know windsurfing so I've always you know ever since I was young I'm like I've got to windsurf I've got to windsurf but I think I did it once at a resort and that's the closest I've got to windsurfing and that that was like um but I definitely definitely still on the cards to go windsurfing somehow I don't know where I'm going to start. You always see them at the tip, you know, those crappy old windsurf walls <laughs> at the tip. Well, yeah, maybe yeah, that'll do, but yeah, they're all brown. Yeah. No sails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, you know, going from sports, man, and, and obviously the all the challenges are still out there for you to master. Um, switching the conversation to found bodyboards and your your involvement with this within the industry you know i just wanted to ask you the straight out question will you think dow bodyboards will ever come back because people are screaming out from bros i have no idea like i i think 
I probably wouldn't even go back to them. I like PP. You wouldn't go back? No. Nah, really? I think they're okay, slow. Okay, Water slide mats. <laughs> <laughs> they're just slow. I think, like, I don't know, like, I can't remember them anymore because when I started Found, there was I couldn't get PE or Dow. So it was just like, oh, this is what you have to use now. I, I think I did have PE, but it was so bad. Like, you, you'd literally just have to, like, put 30 stringers in it to make it not rocket. Really? So, yeah, but I I'm, I like PP. I think it's, like, better anyway. Um, Why do you reckon it's better, Mitch? Because a lot of people would disagree with you there, man. Oh, I, did, I do notice, like, when, when you're in a fast kind of barrel and the shocky gets underneath the PP board, it definitely knocks you off and it doesn't absorb it as much. But as as far as like speed and performance, I think PP is better. But um, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, Stuart back in '96, I think was like some of the best surfing we've seen, and that was on like Dow Dow boards. Obviously, I mean, obviously, it suits the colder climates a lot more. So that that's definitely like a big thing. Like if you did have an alternate, because that paradox core is just junk. I think, like obviously, I, what's the point really? To, to from my perspective, I don't even make it, but it's like it's just a lesser version of PP. Um, and the paradox core is the one. Is it marketed that can just to refresh my memory and the listeners' memory is the one that can absorb both warmer and, and um, cooler climates? Yeah, it's just got more flex. Basically, it just means it's less quality of PP. <laughs> That's what, <laughs> I, what I've come come down to. But, I mean, with, with the whole bodyboarding industry as a whole, like bodyboard manufacturing, I think it's just a freaking crying shame. And I wish I still had it. I wish I could still do the custom boards in Australia, I think the strength of an industry is based on a lot is based on the manufacturing that's done in the, in the country. And right now we don't have one custom board manufacturer in, a, in Australia that I know of that's consistently doing boards anyway. Why is that? I just think it's, I think it's self-sabotaged itself a lot. Um, I mean, that was like another reason I got into screen printing, which is kind of sounds weird, but like with the bodyboards, I had a couple of different shapers. They were really good shapers, like Jared um, Gibson, um, and then I had uh, Luke Redman, um, Redders. But generally, what happens, like what I've found, is that the shapers have their own ideas on how to do things or you know want to run things and you know um and what i did is i left myself open in the fact that like i didn't learn enough to be able to shape myself and so i just kind of had to let it go which with the screen printing i was like okay if i'm going to do this and i learn everything there is to know so i don't leave myself in the dark you know and leave myself vulnerable i'm still a bit vulnerable with it but but you know i i know i'm learning every day and i'm getting better every day so it's like, you know, I'm protecting, you know, where I can make a living from, you know. 
Whereas with the bodyboard shaping, I didn't. It was just like, oh, he left, shit, what am I going to do? Do I just like take two years to learn this, you know, and and hopefully get it? Um, but as soon as I think, I mean, I think Australia needs shape, shaping done here. Um, I don't think it's a, it's a cost issue because there's good, I mean, there's good money to be made in the customs. Like we're shaping like, I don't know, like at the peak, like 600 boards a year. Like it's, it was awesome and people loved it, you know. So it was like, and those boards are like, you know, $450 a board, you know. So it's, it's like there's enough money in it to, to keep it going. Um, and you could do more too. Like it's, it was just, it was only just kind of getting started before it just, you know, stopped. But I, I'd love to see someone bring it back. Like hopefully I can in a few years if, you know, the screen printing business goes well and I can open up a workshop that can, can combine both. Um, but it's a shame that we don't have it, you know. Uh, you, look, you only look at how many, you, you're in Cronulla? Yeah. How many surfboard shapers are in Cronulla? Oh, man, probably in the Tarrant Point area there'd be like three or four and then I know there's um, a couple. But how many are in Motorvale? Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, like there's so you know, many. How many in the Northern Beaches? How many in Sydney in general? Like there's just a ton of them. Like there's so sure, much. Hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, like opportunity and that's driving the industry. You know, what's driving us? Two factories in, in Southeast Asia. It's. I just hate that the thought of that, that we don't have like manufacturing here at all. Like I think it's sad for our sport. You know, it's like we. If one of those factories goes down, then it's like then what? You know. So it's it's kind of like I, I think it'd be awesome if you if there is manufacturing. I don't know. Have you thought of that, or is that? Dude, no, no, no. I'm, I'm mulling over my head now, and I've thought that in a lot of ways about manufacturing, not just in the bodyboard industry, but I think in, in general, I think like the United States is much the same. That a lot of our work has been, has left, um, you know, to far offshores because of cheaper labour and, um, you know, dirty deals with government officials that all want backhand at the end of the day, and there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes on that plays havoc with just common sense and getting things done here in Australia, exactly as you were saying, just, you know, having a shape here, having the materials made here. And, um, yeah, it's just a real shame to just to, yeah, to feel a bit hollow like that because you're right. It's, it's well, what if those companies, those factories do go down and our supply chain stops or we go into a world war and, and um you know, those sort of things are completely cut off because a free trade agreement fallen in, in, in their ass. So yeah, like it's it's a it's a tough one, but it's it's almost like we're we're at the we're at the mercy of the modern world because it just seems like everyone wants to do things for way cheaper and right now it seems a lot cheaper to manufacture them overseas. Yeah, I mean it 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 is, but there's such a like I, when I had my stock boards and customs, the customs were outselling them. So it was like that was where most of my, like, you know, our founded well was just through the customs. So it, there's a way bigger market for it. 
you know, obviously the lower end boards, you know, you're going to sell them. But, you know, if somebody wants a custom, you know, they're going to pay for it. And it's their own personal kind of touch to their board. Like it's the market is there. It always, always will be. You know, you just got to get it up and rolling. Like, I mean, I think the, what was it, handpicked? Like he did, I think they were going to do it in Australia. But I, I, oh man, I was only just about to mention that I'm, I'm good friends with Michael and he helps me out with boards all the time. And, you know, yeah. I've been riding his boards for ages now and, and he's got the vision, much like you spoke of, you know, getting his shaper out here, Rossi, um, from South Africa and, and getting a, you know, getting um, a space anywhere in the Shire here, predominantly in more of an area that's going to have foot traffic and that's going to be seen. And he'd love to have a shaping bay incorporated with a, um, you know, a cafe or some hospitality. Yeah, um, it's rad. Because, like, I'm, yeah. he's been, had the raw deal as well, you know, like obviously supply and, you know, different, you know, crap that goes on. I don't you know exactly, but, yeah, they they definitely didn't haven't made it easy for him to, you know, do his boards, you know. So, yeah, there's been up battles. Yeah, like, but it, it's such a necessity to have these, uh, an industry here. We don't really have an industry. We've got boards from, you know, offshore. That's what we're, that's what we're dealing with, you know. So it's, yeah, I mean, coming from the Gold Coast, you just see how many shapers there are. And they're all doing really good. Like there's a there's a bit for everyone. You know, I know guys that are shaping twelve boards a, a week. You know, and then there's some that are doing a thousand. You know, like so it's you know there's still room for room for everyone. Um, yeah, exactly. It'd be good if, like, I, I mean, if Mez and that came out and did their own thing and made a shop or whatever, and made it cool. You know, it's all for the better. He's probably the the guys that can do it. They they could do it. You know, they could set it up. Yeah. What do you um? What do you feel like is the next progression for bodybuilding, Mitch, in regards to boards? You know, speaking about getting a shaping bay out here and and getting things you know rolling in the country once again. Like once that's established or hopefully established, what would you like to see in the progression of boards, man, in regards to technology and materials? Yeah, I'm kind of. <laughs> stuck on that like I feel like we're kind of limited to like obviously the materials seem pretty good and we go when the waves are good we we kind of match the speed pretty well Um, I don't know where we can improve like there there could be some adjustments for example you yeah. know, do you like the the ISS stringer setup, like that sort of technological advance? Could you foresee other things like that coming and, and um, implemented? Not really. No, I don't think that gives any advantage. Yeah. Like I don't think it – I mean, you just got to ask, like, is anyone surfing better on those boards? Like is anyone, like, by far and away, like, better? Like, Are the everyone... I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I was listening to a podcast on Sean Thompson, you know, the surfer, Sean Thompson? Yeah, from South Africa, yep. 
Yeah. And he was saying they were talking about boards and the progression of boards and, you know, when he was surfing and his theory, they, the question was like, okay, does, you know, obviously he was winning a lot during his period of, you know, in the 70s. And then he was progressing the boards like they're going from, you know, the twin fins and different shapes and everything. And, and he's asking, did a lot of people follow him onto the boards that he was riding? You know, so, and he said, the answer was yes. You know, so you see a lot of that now, even like, okay, like Felipe is on the sharp eye surfboards and then there's a lot of riders jumping on sharp eye um, because of what he's doing on them. You know, some people jump shit because, oh, they must be doing something really good, you know, but I don't know if our sport is big enough yet to like go, oh, you know, Winnie's riding the, the Paradox Wi-Fi, whatever the models they've got, you know, um, parabolic. Is everyone jumping on that and seeing, you know, big improvements? I, I don't, don't know. Do, I mean, it might not be me to answer, but I don't really see it. You know, I think, you know, the level of improvements coming from the riders, not so much the boards, you know, people are just pushing a bit harder uh, and going bigger. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a hard one because, like, I don't – I think in surfing they've got, a, you know, six foot of board to improve. We've got three foot, you know. What, yeah, what so can we true. do? What can we do, like, to improve the water flow over that? You know, I'm not that big on innovation with boards like Mike and that. And even Ryan, they love talking about boards. I couldn't care. You know, I'd just give me a board and I'll ride it, you know. Um, and, I'd, yeah, I, I'm, I've never been that progressive with – I like making board look good aesthetically and use all the best equipment or best materials available, which is the same as what everyone's got. But um, as far as, like, you know, coming up and, and it costs money to come up, you know, innovate new materials. And I don't know, if, I, I definitely don't have that. Um, so I think it's just using your, you know, improvement comes from your imagination and just time in the water and just repetition. Um, but it would be fun to have like a fiberglass bodyboard that has a little bit of, you know, uh, like, softness to it somehow so you don't hurt yourself because you can get finer details in fiberglass than you can with you know surlin or you know polypropylene like you can only shave that down and get you know you know it's either really drastic detail or you know it's not fine like a surfboard whereas they can go put so much detail in fiberglass and and actually make a difference whereas foam it's you know it heats up and expands and moves and it's um yeah I, I'm probably not the best guy to know what's going on with the progression of modern bodyboards because I just enjoy it yeah keeping it simple yeah but that's a bit harsh on after. <laughs> no no that's a bit harsh on yourself man because I think you are the progression of bodyboarding you've been the progression of bodyboarding for the last fifteen to twenty years man so like it's um it's always interesting to hear what you what you have to say you know. Um, going back over, you know, all your time, Bergen, man, you've worked so heavily with Todd Barnes um, and many other incredible, fantastic 
um, artists along the way. But, you know, Todd really sticks out uh, personally for me because I've, I'm a huge fan of his work and I think what he's done through his movies like Video and, and like Killer Days with Yourself and so many other projects that you guys have worked on separately and um, as a collective have just been groundbreaking. And did, I just wanted to ask him, and during that during that time, you know, when you were filming Air or um, Mitch Fid and, and, and all that kind of stuff, did you ever feel like at, at those at those stages that you were that you were creating greatness, or was was it just a, oh, another project? I, yeah, like I was really trying. It was really <laughs> like I, Todd's like amazing, but I learnt quick. Like I kind of didn't know Todd till a little bit later. Um, and and then when we did meet, I think it was through Thomas Robinson, and, yeah, he was just, he's so good and he's so committed and he just loves bodyboarding, you know. He's, he, and he's only just, you know, in the surfing world, he's just getting recognised now. He's doing all that stab magazines, like video content. So, like, they noticed. I think he won a contest there too. So they notice how good he is and how quick and productive he can be and it's like yeah like that's why I you know you know went with him and it was really good we still talk pretty much every week um but he I I quickly learned like just let him do his thing you know like I always want to do something and then I'm like uh, I'm just gonna surf I'll let him do his thing you know he's got it covered you know because he's got his own way of doing things which is good and it worked well for me because I just like it most of the time, I'd, I'd never even watch the footage. I'd just film. And when I was younger, I used to have to watch the footage. But up when I travelled him, I never watched the footage. I just didn't – it didn't bother me. I didn't want – It's almost I like you wanted, trusted him. Yeah, I just didn't want to – I just wanted to surf and not have to worry about like, oh, you know, bothering him. He's just been sitting in the sun for six, seven hours, you know, watching me catch one wave every hour. and. And then go, oh, I need to see this footage, you know, like I just, just left it, you know. And I'd still do that now with any film. I just, yep, you film, if, you know, thanks for filming. Um, and it's, so it's like, yeah, I couldn't imagine, you know, telling a filmer, can I watch the footage back anymore? Because it's just the, yeah, they've just been at the beach all day and then they're going to go through it themselves anyway. It's like a hard job. It's really, really, um, yeah labor of love that job sometimes especially when you're filming yeah 100 and i couldn't have any worse yeah but it was good like we like our trips we didn't do that many trips but the like the best one was in air like we went to canaries for 10 days and it was just like pumping for 10 days straight or longer however long we're there but it was just like every single day and it was just like yeah non-stop like we've had some really good trips, but we haven't haven't really done much since. Which is, but we're, he's actually either Todd or another filmer that I work with, Tom Hannum, who's really good too. Um, he's going to come help do some foot filming for the the printing shop. We're going to do some filming around here and combine it with surfing and kind of make the print shop a brand in itself. You know, most you probably would. You know, you said you worked in the, the print shop and, you know, it, they're pretty old school in what they do. I uh, kind of want to change that and, and make it, you know, look 
alive, not just this dead print shop that does just production. Yeah, you actually want to make a vibe to it and have yeah. like almost behind it. Yeah, like we, 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 we've done live printing. We're, we're going to do a heap of live printing. Uh, we, we were doing Splendor this year, but it got rained out. So that kind of sucked, but we we're down there to do it. Um, but did you yeah. do live printing at Splendor? We did, yeah. We, we were set up and everything. It was full on, and then it just like rained so heavy and kind of just they kept pushing us to do it, but it was just like actually like just bucketing down. <laughs> we're like, man, we can't print in the rain. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like pretty funny, but yeah, they wanted to get us back to do Falls Festival, and we've got one coming up in Byron on the 25th of November. Um, Sick. I didn't yeah, know so that's a whole. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, dude. We've done heaps of different things, but it's only just kind of beginning. I'm only really finding my feet now, or kind of maybe in the next five years I find them. See what happens. <laughs> and mate, it's another challenge, man. It's another challenge. But yeah. speaking about Todd, still, dude. I, that one of my, my my favorite clips from you guys was that South Oz Expression session when you guys were surfing killers and. Fuck me, bro! You must have been riding like a board with, with razor sharp rails that day. It's no spray off the inside rail, humming out of barrels and just searching for that second bowl down at Killers, which you know, in my experience surfing it was very hard to time. My time with theirs is shit anyway, but to actually wait for that bowl and to to, to get there to um, you know, really to really utilize it, you were you were nailing it, man. It was air versus forwards inverts whatever but do you do you look back on that session in in south oz um with real fond memories yeah it was so much fun that way like it was really busy at the start of the session so it's kind of hard uh and that's it, it could have been busy when you're surfing it but then it just got down to maybe four or five people so you could get into a bit more rhythm and then it, then it was just really fun and it wasn't wasn't that big. It was only like three, four foot maybe. Um, but I heard when it gets bigger, it's proper gnarly, like the, hitting the ramp. And then I did actually stand up on that reef on the end. I was like, shit, you did not want to hit, you did not want to fall on this one. Oh, so that was like, and just yeah. Like like. Yeah, they're just like, you know, yeah, just jagged reef. And it was just like, so that was motivation not to fall. One thing, just don't. <laughs> Don't fall. Um, but, yeah, that wave's yeah, so fun. I'd love, like, it's just kind of, I don't know if that was a good day or not. Like, I've seen better photos of it, like way bigger ramps, but that day would just look a bit more playful than I've seen in other footage that I've seen. But that almost looks perfect, man, you know. Like, I, I, I think that wave, and, again, I've only surfed it a handful of times, so I'm, I'm definitely not a guru, but... When you see that wave, a lot of the footage does look best. I remember looking back on some of the Jace Finlay and James Cates footage that came out of the old Zion movies um, when they were doing South Oz trips or there was the Ryan Hardy Rome 2 section where he's surfing a lot of that undisclosed right, which I won't mention the name of, um, you know, Nick Ormod's in the foreground at the start of it and it's amazing. But in that section they also have Ryan surfing killers and there's only three or four waves sporadically put in, but... And, you know, it's, it's Ryan Hardy, so obviously he's going to make everything look good. But it just seemed like that 
three to four foot size range just made that bowl perfect. It looked like the shape of the wave was just perfect. So I reckon you guys had an all time session out there, eh? It looked it looked incredible. probably yeah. I know Nick Gornell was talk. He loved it. He was talking himself up and said he got all the best waves that day. And where was I? What was I doing? And everything. And I just go, show me the footage, mate. <laughs> oh no way! There was there was yeah. a bit of you go back and forth. That's gold. Oh yeah, he was he was slinging it this way for sure. Yeah, it was good. Well, he though. does. Like, he, he does have good those waves. Fuck me. Yeah, yeah, he was ripping. Like he had a couple like really good ones when it was busy. So it was um, and then yeah, they were just. I think it was me and James Cates for a little while, just me and him out there. So it was like really fun. Uh, yeah, it's a good little zone there. I'd love to go back. I've never surfed sure. monuments. So I want to surf that wave. Are you allowed to say names of waves? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, to be perfectly honest, half the time I f- forget the waves I don't mention of them or I don't. Yeah. I've just had an experience where some locals told me to fuck off and not mention that name, so I just stick yeah. to it. <laughs> well, but it's yeah, so far away. Sick. Like no one's going to go, oh, we're going here from Sydney. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, so if you know, you know. Yeah. So, but Monty's, yeah, you got to get to Monty's. You'd be, you would just be mesmerised. That wave does things that not many other waves do. Yeah, it looks looks pretty looks pretty incredible. I think it's like I heard it's the section can be hard to hit. That's what everyone's saying. It's hard to hit, and I'm like, they're going, you'd love it. And I'm like, but you're saying it's hard to hit. Or it'll probably be one of those waves where I just don't get and just don't time it. You know, it's like some ways where you just can never time and it's probably one of them. I feel yeah. like it's going to be one of them. Like it feels like you hit the bowl too early all the time or too too late. But I, I, I think – Or it wraps with, away or whatever. I think with your skill set, Mitch, you'll, you'll, you'll get there in a couple of waves, man. If you look back on um, that Coneheads footage from the trip, um, Nick Gonnell, George Humphreys. Yeah. Um, who else was down there? But I'm pretty sure Tyke filmed it and obviously Flawless filming and editing from Tyke again. So cool to watch his stuff. But some of those oh, – and Josh DeBoma shooting photos. Man, that yeah. that invert that, that Gorners does, brah, like you, you – once you got that wave dialed, you guys would be going that high too. It's 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 a, it's a cool place because I, I think you are right in saying that it is a hard bowl to hit, but you've got the the advantage of having almost like – that weird wobble wedge kind of backwash feel to it. So when you did get that bowl that lined up with everything around it, you probably could go that extra bit higher than you would off a normal bowl. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it looks amazing. But, yeah, Do I, 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 don't, I don't know if I'll get down. I hope so. Yeah, I, I hopefully I get down there. Well, now everything's kind of quiet down, man. Surely just book a plane yeah. ticket and bring your swag. There in Philippines, like the Cloud Nine looks like that wave looks phenomenal to surf. Yeah, I've, like I've a, never been there. Have, have you been there? I've never been there, but I'd love to go there. That wave just looks amazing. Oh, me too. There, and yeah, definitely like Morocco is another wave. I think, like, I've always talked to Todd and I go, Look, we, we have to go to Morocco one day. Like, these waves look incredible. But, yeah. Um, we never made it there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, that'll that'll definitely happen. Surely on the same coast, a lot further down, but you could maybe tee up a trip to the donkey. 
Oh, to the skeleton yeah, yeah, that that's another wave. Like, yeah, that, that I think that that's like a trip of a lifetime type wave. Those ones. I mean, we kind of get a little taste of it here every now and then, but I think that's just six foot below that sea level freight train. Scary, locked in, not coming out. If you don't come out, you're just getting dragged underwater for so long. Like, that's the thing about those waves. You go, oh, it's you know, it's not that big, but you just get held under for so long when it's so shallow. It just doesn't let you up and you're yeah, out of breath because just... you're holding your breath like in the barrel, like you're not like... You're not like, breathing, yeah. You're breathing. <laughs> yeah, you kind of yeah. got to after a while, but... No, no, for sure. Yeah. And th- those waves seem backless, man. Like, you know, the ones at Snapper that come in backless, the- those ones at Skeleton Bay. Again, I haven't surfed it, so I'm only hearing from experiences. But everyone that comes back just says about, yeah, exactly how heavy it is. It's backless. It's almost like chokes on sand. But, you know, when the bank's oh, average, yeah. it goes for 500 metres. And when it's good, it goes for like a kilometre. Like, that's it's fucking insane. Because, yeah, getting locked into one of them and you can't pull out because you're going too fast. Like you just like I, I was talking to Graham Miller and he clocked his GoPro thing at like fifty eight k's. Really? Yeah. Like whoa, Like <laughs> yeah, and that's just matching the speed of the wave too. Like it's not doing anything extra. That's pretty quick, man. Like yeah. it, on average, like you know, like on a set of skis, I know with the um, you know the Perishing of Threadbow app and whatever, you can do that GPS stuff and it tracks your speed from the top to the bottom. And, um, you know, you can reach 100 k's, not fairly easy, but you've, you've got to point your ski straight down and, and Mac and tuck You got up to 100 k's? Yeah, yeah, I've done 116 wow. k's. But, <laughs> but, man, in saying that, though, there are so many dudes out that do downhill skiing that are, are going upwards, like, you know, closer to 200. Do you know what I mean? So no there's some... Way. Oh, there's nutters out there, bro. But when I think about a bodyboard and I think about on the face of a wave, even a surfboard, I mean, I stand out on on the on my main road here. If someone's doing sixty Ks past me, they're they're going past me pretty quick. Like if yeah, you were yeah. watching someone on a bodyboard, that's insane to think they're going yeah. that quick. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be amazing. But yeah, it's like and I guess that's another thing with the progression of bodyboards too, is like we don't have that leverage of surfers do because, you know, especially in smaller waves because we're just like, you know, say like I'm 80 kilos or 75 or whatever, you know, I am. On a wave, you're just 75 kilos the whole time, whereas on a surfboard you can go from 75 kilos to 20 kilos and, you know, then back to 75 because you're hopping and you're getting that lightness through the through sections where we just got heavy weight the whole time. Yeah, and so you're distributing can, your weight, yeah, evenly. Yeah, so it's like how do you improve a bodyboard to not have so much weight? Like I, there's got there's something there like where you can like pump a little bit and it'll take off, you know, instead of like just we've got to generate our speed from the wave, not through technique, you know, look at that Felipe Toledo, they're saying he's the fastest surfer in the world, which he is because he generates the most speed in small waves, you know. In big waves, you can't be, you know, you can be a controlled surfer because the speed's already there. But with bodyboards, I think that somehow there's got to be progression for the bodyboard to be able to generate the speed, not us. 
because I don't think yeah. we I don't think we can do it. You know, like I think it's we can you know lift off our board a little bit to reduce the weight, but you know, not that much. We might go from seventy five to sixty five. You know, not seventy five to zero because like that's what you look at McFanning or Felipe. They do a big pump and they've got no weight on their board and then back down to 75 to generate that speed where we're just like just logs on logs <laughs> to get speed. <laughs> We've got some physical limitations because we're just... Yeah, it's like, yeah, the, yeah, we just need something to be able to propel us a bit more in smaller ways. Oh, have you ever just, thought maybe getting like a little onboard motor, you know, something that could pop out the bottom of the slick and just for that moment give us some extra NOS, like almost yeah, need for be. speed vibes, like drop the NOS. Yeah. yeah, just like just the onboard jet ski thing somehow, just yeah. a small one. You know, I know they've got them but not in like foam or proper board, you know, but like if you, if we had that, it'd be it'd be pretty cool. Oh, like, be amazing. But, like you if know, you could get up to like 30, 40 Ks on a small wave, like it'd be pretty fun. Like it'd be almost it'd like be doing a tow pure. out. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you tow out sessions every single day. Like, you know, like just imagine rocking up the beach just two foot and, you know, there's people looking at you there. Hello? Huh? Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, I love I got you. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Um. Yeah, so rocking up a two-foot day and there's just people walking along the beach and you're doing massive airs from nothing, no rope, no nothing. It'd be pretty pretty cool. Yeah, they'd be tripping out. There's actually a guy down here in Sydney called Skull. He used to be an old bodyboarder. He used to be out the island and he's got an electric surfboard. And yeah. um, Oh, I saw comes... that out at the island. Yes, he man. he yeah. ripping through the contest one, or the, oh. not one day. And he does it like regularly, you know, like it's it's not just even on those days. He just does fucking random shit at the most random time. Like, and yeah. I remember there was one day um, we were out there and just a couple of local fellas and we were, it's a pretty fun, like three to four foot south day, kind of going more lowish tide. So they were wrapping along the reef and you could still get a couple of barrels because it wasn't too, you know, fat and folding out to the shoulder. But um, he's just come in, man, and like within 10 minutes has either – Maybe intentionally, but probably unintentionally, I hope, blocked and, like, taken 10 of our waves and it's just, like, he's just doing laps and, and whatever. And I had to think to myself at the, at the time, I'm like, I don't agree with it in a lineup as such when you're taking everyone else's waves and you're kind of being a bit of a hammock, but, like, you, you, you make a bit of a, of a havoc, sorry. But, like, it's pretty cool to think that he's harnessed some sort of, you know, I guess technology, not not advanced technology because it's just a motorised surfboard, but, like, he's he's harnessed something else to to improve his performance and his time on the wave. It was kind of got me thinking about bodyboards and where we could go with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, probably not the place and he obviously just doesn't care. <laughs> so, or, yeah, he's not ashamed of what he's doing. Otherwise, He, he definitely isn't. That. Yeah, but it'd be, it, it would be... It'd be super fun. I mean, we'd definitely be the, if we're not already, you know, the foil borders of the ocean again, you know, they get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Which should be kind of comedy. Dude, can we get any lower, man? It's all good. We just got to accept our place, you know, realise 
we're doing cool things. Everyone else can think we're just bottom of the rank, but yeah, you know, oh, I'm it'd be, almost it'd happy be to take on, on that. Yeah, definitely. I'd I do. Um, just yep. to just to um round out the party because obviously we've been we've we've had some some digital in, in interruptions, but we're, yep. we're we're coming up to an we're hour and a half. Deep now. Into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's bloody all time, man. Um. But I was just going to – I usually ask five questions at the end of every yep. party. Are you, are you cool to go? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sick, man. So um, I was just wondering what your preference would be in regards to crescent or bat tail. Bat tail. Bat tail? Yeah, always. <laughs> wow, because I've always thought you as a crescent dude. Like, you know, this is how I see you, Mitch. Um, well, I've I, been writing bat tail for the last – all six years, seven years. Yeah, but I mean, all, all I see you see see you using is like, you know, this is so classic. But it's a, it's a yellow. How's this, man? This is in my head. A yellow um, four play board with yep. with bl- with blue rails and blue crescent, almost similar. Sometimes what Hardy had too. And yep. like white slick, you had the the Billabong logo on that on the slick and burnt into the deck, and yep. you've got you've got your Churchills, and it's always the crescent clip. That's how I would see you on. Say if we had you you, you riding like you you bodyboarding. That's how I would uh, how- lock up your daughters because Benny Play is calling the player wave slayers. I'm about to tell, and you were saying you were riding a bat tail for the last six years. Yeah. Pretty much predominantly, I just love the the feel of it. Uh, it doesn't doesn't probably carry as much speed through fatter sections, but generally, I think the boards are faster for sure. That that's it's just how have you felt now? How have you felt with doing moves? Like, have you had to adjust your the way you approach moves because of the new tail? Um, I think you would. You'd probably because you get so used to riding a particular board, and you, I don't swap back very often. It's kind of hard to tell, but I think if you spend a lot of time down at like urban surf, or you know, you know where the waves are exactly the same every time, you would definitely notice a difference between moves a lot more. You'd be you know a bit more sensitive towards it, which would be really fun to to go and do. So, and I heard yeah, Winnie's got doing it on the podcast you did with Winnie, they're doing a little board test day down there, which would be pretty epic. So that that that's probably a good little testing area for boards for sure. Yeah, definitely. That that is a good that's a good point actually. I didn't think about that. If you're getting the same wave over and over again, you can feel the difference. But yeah, I guess if you're hitting you know, like one day D bar a three foot wedge coming towards you, and the next day it might be slightly wind, different winds, or a bit bigger, or different banks, whatever, and do the same. You're probably really not going to notice that difference, are you? Not as much, not especially if you're just sticking to the one board all the time. You know, so it's like you kind of just adjust to how that move might work with that particular tail. You know, like say if you run a twin fin to a thruster, you know, you're going to do it cut back a little bit different they might look the same but feel really different and your weight is displaced differently so it's like just doing the same thing but using different technique to do the same thing you know with a different tail i don't know it's like 
you can do all the same things, but you know, they might feel a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, second question, man, ramp or pit, what would be your preference? Just barrel. Yeah. It'd have to be. Yeah. I, I, you kind of can't go past it. Yeah. And ramp. Yeah. Just barrels for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is that man? Like, why is a barrel so special to you? Um, I think it's just, um, well, it takes a, I don't know, like there's so many good ramps out there too, but I think, yeah, for surfing, it's just such a unique experience. And a lot of the time, I guess the easiest way to put it is like you can take off in the barrel and make a barrel and come out, whereas a ramp, you've got to kind of work for it. You know, you've got to go down, take off in the right spot, take the right line and then hit it, you know, whereas a barrel, it's just like you're just on, you know, like you're taking off under the lip and you're in the barrel, you know, it's just you're on straight away. So it's I think that's like the attraction to barrels and, you know, it, they last a lot longer than ramps. You know, so you could get like a minute long barrel, whereas a ramp's like, you know, hit hit and run type thing, you know. So I think, yeah, barrels are longer lasting. It's a hard one, but I think everyone is going to eventually choose barrel. They might in their early 20s go ramp, but eventually it'll go back to barrels. Dolphin cut fins or other design fins, Mitch? Uh, it has to be dolphin cut for sure. Can't beat, can't beat nature. So we'll just, yeah, just join in with them. Yeah, for sure, man. Why, well, why would you try and reinvent the wheel when you've got the dol- dolphins literally just out swimming you in every way, shape, or form in the ocean? Yeah, it just makes sense. They got it right the first time, pretty much. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. far back they go, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, they think, yeah, they, they definitely made it right the first time. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm with you, Dolphin Guts, the whole way. Um, fourth question, sir. Beachy or reef? Oh, reef. Reef, yep. it has to be, yeah. Minimal duck diving, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah, I feel yeah. I, I, I love that about reefs too, you know. there's Obviously, you don't have the unpredictability of a beach in that can make it so cool, but I love Knowing where the channel is and I love having a little safe zone. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be reef. Once you get over the, the fear of reef, it's yeah, it has to be reef. Oh, yeah. Um, and fifth question, sir, bicep or wrist leash? Um, bicep if I have to. Leashless if I have the choice. Man, you know you're... Yourself and Andy Lester are the only two people I know that kind of went crazy on the whole leashless thing. Because I remember Andy came out, you know, the period of the island, maybe from 2010 to 2016 or 17, where, you know, like Andrew Lester's been been surfing that way better than most for a long period of time. But from what, what, what I can remember was though that, that time period where he would just stroll out on proper macking six to eight foot days, maybe the odd bigger ten footer coming through. He'd always be on weight of the day and he would not be wearing a leash, man. And somehow yes, I love it. 
board to pop out of the back of the wave. Say if you got flogged on a, an eight-footer trying to come through um, White Rock or Surge, and it's pretty rare that you didn't make one, but if you did push the, the envelope on one, he would just push his board out some out of the back of the wave. He'd pop out, just swim to it, and he'd just carry on with the surf. Yeah. Yeah, that's epic. Yeah, I love that. Like, I mean, the only... The only downside I feel like without surf riding without a leash is the fact that if you get knocked out, you're not attached to anything. That's probably the only thing I think of. Other than that, like I think it's like the best, you know, that, that's the only downside. Um, like I've had boards, like my board right now for the last year doesn't have a plug in it. I'll surf Snapper and Cure and you don't want to lose your board there. But you can just move around the lineup so much better without a leash on. You know, you're not having to twist things and you know, they're just annoying. And but it's um yeah, obviously some spots you need it. And if it's absolutely pumping and you don't want to paddle in, but like you said, like what Lester is nine times out of ten your board's gonna pop up right next to you if you hang on to it enough. Um but yeah, I definitely don't like surfing without the leash. Yeah, well, I should probably that was an option. I should have offered you in the beach in reef section too, uh, a wave pool. I've been throwing that every now and again, but I think with the bicep or the wrist leash, we have to offer no leash too. Well, you need. We got told off in the urban. You have to wear a leash. <laughs> really? Yeah, they told Brendo off. He was did not know what to do with that when that got thrown at him. What What, what did he do in the end? How, how did he plug his board? Oh, I don't know. I think we'll get we'll pushing it. We'll pushing it for a while, but yeah, eventually we had to put a leash on. Wow. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was good. Guys, did your day down there, and you, you had beast mode all sorted? Yeah. Well, he had his daughter on the front of the board who didn't need a leash, but he needed a leash. But the guys down, it's funny. But the guys down there are legends. They got it, obviously. Things can get out of control down there pretty easy and, you know, it's like people, you know, and it's probably, you know, especially for a surfboard, if you get you don't have a leash on a surfboard and it's floating in and hits someone, you know, there's there's that. Like I rarely surf without a leash with a surfboard because I'm losing it every wave, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, like, yeah. that's the first thing that's going on before the surfboard. I just get down with my leg rope. Yeah, <laughs> just make sure that's, that's all sorted. Yeah, as long as that's sorted, then I'm all right. Surfboards will yeah. come later. Yeah, yeah. I know you mean. It's almost like riding to Burley with no boards, you know, as long as you've got your feet oh, sorted. Oh, shit. <laughs> Crazy. I'll remember that story. That was epic. Yeah. Wrong for Yeah, right. awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for ha- um for coming on the potty, Mitch. You know, I really appreciate it. Yeah, love it. Yeah. And spreading the good word, you know, it's um, really important. We keep hearing from figures like yourself in the sport, and you've, you've led it for so long, dude. And you've got so many people that respect your riding and respect you for the person you are. So, um, yeah, just want yeah, to say, thank you. You know, but yeah, thanks so much for doing the um, podcast. It's epic. Like, it's just I was rang Elliot, and I was just like, man, that's epic. You guys are doing that. It's like so so fun to listen to all the different writers you know even you know some of the writers i don't even i i know of them but i don't know the background which is so interesting because it's like you know they've all got their own story and even yourself you got your own story like i listen to the tesla mckenna one and 
you know, you're, you know, just all, it's just interesting, you know, like it's, it's cool because, you know, you don't have to be sponsored by Billabong or have your own board brand to have a cool story or, you know, you know, doing rad things, you know. So it's like so many characters to listen and hear, hear about and what they do differently. So it's, it's good fun and it's good, good platform. Hope it keeps going. You've got to get, yeah, get everyone on there. Yeah, 100%, man, spread the word. And, and it's so good to have you listening because I'm happy to have anyone on. If you've got any suggestions, even people that, you know, as you said, aren't sponsored by the the big names or whatever might not have been in the spotlight as much, we all have such a story to tell. And bodyboarding somehow keeps producing some of the most interesting people I've ever met. It's insane. Yeah, I, I reckon, like, guys like um, Phil Gallagher would be a good one. Like yeah. Um, Mitch Hall would be good because he's such a prother still with bodyboarding. He just went to Mexico and nosedived on the ten footer. Um, <laughs> really, at Porto? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I don't, I haven't spoke to him. I sent him boards over to Mexico. I don't know if they made it there in time for him, which I don't know if that's the reason why he won't talk to me anymore. So we'll <laughs> see what happens there. And even guys like, oh, I mean, there's so many different different people you could um, talk. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, like Lester, like there's just too many. Like it's, oh, it's sure. all interesting, you know, so, yeah. Giddy up. But, you know, he's a lot more interesting combos in the future. Yeah, for sure. All right, mate, I'll let you get to bed. Thanks for yeah. having me. It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef Watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds At 18 living the dream